0: Good morning, please join with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we know only too well that, except by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us, these words that you cause to be written will not become part of our being. And so we ask you to be at work as we think your thoughts after you today. Please change us for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I I am convinced... There we go. You can see my face now. Uh, I'm convinced that there's nothing better that you could be and nothing better that you could have than being a Christian. Nothing better. No matter what you dream of, there is nothing better than that. And I wonder how you respond to that statement. Some of you will embrace it and say, that is absolutely true, Some of you will say, I know it's true, but I don't feel it. And some of you are probably thinking, prove that to me. Because there is so often a disconnect between what we think of church and what we think of belonging to God and the experience that we have as well. And so for some of us, you'll say, I can't wait for a week to pass so I can get to church or get to growth group. Others will say, I can't wait for heaven. I have a friend. I had a friend who, in his last day of his life, I went out to visit him in hospital, and I said to him, "Uh, are you ready to meet Jesus? And he called me a little bit closer, he said, you know, I'm kind of excited about that. And for some of you, you will think, oh, it's church again. There'll be some good things that are going on, but I'll go along to church and see what happens. Today, as we think these about these words that Dave just read to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I hope the Apostle Paul will open our eyes to see how wonderful it is to be a Christian as he considers the almost unspeakable joy of belonging to Jesus and the incredible privilege of being a member of his church because... God is the one who creates a relationship with him that no human institution or no human activity can create. And then he does the jaw-droppingly amazing thing of binding those who have been brought into relationship with Jesus into what we call the church. And so the first blessing is that we have relationship with God, a relationship with God where he is the Lord And if you don't have a relationship with God as Lord, then you'll have a relationship with somebody else, which will be a waste of time, the Apostle calls stupid, and you will be under the terrible judgement of God. And you see that, sadly, this week, where you see that choosing stupid relationships being played out at the highest level of state politics. And you see some of the consequences of that. And there are times where there are even worse outcomes than what might happen as a result in New South Wales politics. A few years ago, an acquaintance of mine was an upright police detective. His young wife died suddenly and he was full of grief, as you could imagine. And another man from the unit block that he used to live in brought him meals as he was going through this grieving process. And so they became friends. And the man who brought the meals gradually gave more and more things to this acquaintance of mine. But then he started asking favours of the policeman. And little by little, the detective was corrupted. And eventually he was exposed by the police integrity unit. His reputation destroyed and his career ended. If you have the wrong friends, if you have the wrong leader, if you have the wrong Lord, you'll be led astray. And every one of us is in danger of being in a worse situation than my detective acquaintance. If you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 12 open, look at verses 1 to 3. Do you see how this starts? When you were pagans, Paul says to these people, and that's what the Corinthians were. Pagans are people who follow and worship gods other than the true and living God of the Bible. In ancient Greece, in ancient Corinth, to whom this was uh, written, these gods had names, Zeus, Apollo, Aphrodite. And as silly as it sounds... The Corinthians submitted their whole lives. They made lords of these fabricated, made-up gods. And today, we don't have these gods, these fake gods. We have other names for the gods who we serve. Success, money, fame, CEO, PhD, security ancestor worship, and the list goes on. And when you submit to their lordship, you are led astray to worship idols that can't even speak. And there are all sorts of ways it happens. I'll just take one example. I mentioned CEO. CEO. What a grand title that is. Just three letters, but a grand title. But CEO of what? Companies that you might be the CEO of don't even exist. But you give your life. You give your sweat. You give your allegiance. And they take from you, even though they are dumb and lifeless, they take from you other precious things. And they feed upon you as you worship those things that are made up. And yet... Giving lordship to something that doesn't deserve it happens to everyone. If you don't serve the Lord, you'll serve something else, like all pagans do. And you'll end up worshipping, as the Apostle says here, mute idols, things that don't breathe or have life or speak. And it's not just then a matter of stupidity. There is something worse than happens than that, something more significant. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, that the decision you make about who you will serve brings the wrath and the anger of God upon you. And that is the pathway, if you don't serve the living and true God, that everyone treads, the wise and the foolish, the rich and the poor, the popular and the marginalised, unless or until the Spirit of God should work in you. And so Paul starts this chapter with, Now concerning spiritual gifts, probably it's better to understand it, is now concerning the spirituals. For these Corinthians thought that they tapped into all of the gifts and powers and superiority that come from the spiritual realm, thinking that they had all that they needed and that was seen in the spectacular abilities that they thought they possessed. All those very showy things that they could do that so easily leads to pride. But Paul says here, what is really spiritual is found not in these showy displays, but in not serving pagan idols, but being changed so that you can say Jesus is Lord. That is, this is the deep spiritual work of God. Because without this spiritual work of God, no one is able to say Jesus is Lord. If you can say that. And that is the great spiritual work of God in you. Jesus Lord is not some magic incantation or special chant or mantra, something that you say in order to be blessed. It is saying, he is the Lord. He is my master. I am not the one who decides my destiny. Jesus does. I am his servant and I am his slave. I will do his bidding, not my own. It's giving yourself over to his authority and no one does that naturally. That is the supernatural work of God and only the supernatural work of God can do that. So if you're sitting here at Wild Street Church today or at home and you can say, Jesus is Lord, that is the great spiritual work of God. You are a spirit-filled person. Don't let anyone say, or don't let your head say, that you lack anything. And the opposite's also true. If by his spirit, God is at work in you, you will not say, Jesus is accursed. You won't say that Jesus doesn't matter, or what right does Jesus have to rule my life? or I don't need to pay attention. The Spirit of God will not let you say that. You see, being a Christian, having the Spirit of God, is willingly moving you from the lordship of pagan, lifeless, dumb, mute idols to serve the living and true God, Jesus Christ, and striving to obey him as your master. That's the work of God, and that is the privilege of being a Christian. So even with these three verses, I hope that you're convinced that anyone that doesn't have the spiritual blessing of God is inevitably uninformed and led astray to mute idols and under the terrible judgment of God. And anyone who is blessed with the spiritual blessing is brought into the right relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord. And so the spiritual blessings bring an individual to God himself there's nothing better you could have than that. Except there is still more that you can have than that. That is the gifts of God being brought into relationship with Jesus Christ is not just for an individual for their well-being. What God then is, does then is lavish gifts upon individuals so that you might be a blessing to other people. In that passage from verses four to eleven, I'm not going to reread it, but I'm going to summarise it for you. I want you to listen out. For who the gifts are given to, what are the gifts and where do they come from? So, to one, the ability to speak wisdom through the spirit. To another, the ability to speak knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles by that one spirit. To another, prophecy by that one spirit. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits by the same spirit. To another, various kinds of tongues by that same spirit. You see what is going on here? The gift is spread to everyone, to one, to another, to another. And there are so many different ones. We don't. Some of these, we know what they mean. Some of them, we're not quite sure what they are. But there's such a variety of gifts that are given by the spirit. And it is given by the one spirit. So four things to notice. Firstly, that each and every gift comes from the same spirit. You cannot say, my spirit gives me better gifts than your spirit does. It's the same spirit who gives the gifts. Secondly... But while the gifts are called gifts of the Spirit, they're actually gifts of God himself. If we had time, we'd go back and look at verse 5, and we see they come from the Lord. Or in verse 6, they come from the same God. That is, Father, Son, and Spirit are the ones who in glory are bestowing gifts upon you and through you to the whole church. Thirdly, they come from the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, even though there is a variety of gifts. They are given by the one God for one purpose. And fourthly, everyone, every Christian is given at least one gift of the Spirit to each, to one, to another, as we saw a moment ago. Every one of you has at least one gift given by the Spirit of God. And the thing that is most important to remember from this paragraph is that while every gift, and there is such a wide variety of gifts are given, They are given not so that you can show how great you are or that you can show your gift and compare it to another person's gift, not so that you can be assured that you're in a close relationship with God, but here is the thing, verse 7, for the common good. God has given each one of us at least one gift, not for ourselves, but for the common good. What a blessing it is to be a Christian. God by his spirit enables you to say Jesus is Lord and so worship the right Lord. The same spirit and Lord gives at least one gift to you so that you can be a blessing to others. And as he does that, he binds us into a church that exists for the common good so that we might be able to help others. So how does that work? There is such a diversity of gifts given to his church and they are given to every person in the church and so how does that work in church life? Does that mean that each person goes off and focuses on their own gifts and tries to sharpen their own gifts? Or do we say maybe there are so many gifts that others have I don't need to worry about finding my gift or using my gift how do you put all of these huge number of gifts that God has given us together? Sure, they are given by the one Spirit, but now we're in church, we've got this diversity of gifts. And there are very real dangers in having so many gifts. Because some of the gifts given to our church by God are obvious, and they are more showy than some of the other gifts that are around as well. And so we have some of those impressive gifts here at Wild Street, the gifts that the staff has, the gifts of teaching, the gifts of administration that our office has, the gifts in kids' ministry, the gifts in youth ministry, the gifts that our musos had, the gifts that the growth group leaders have, and you say, there's so many gifts here, I don't need to use mine. No, 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 no. The Apostle Paul now, and for most of the rest of the chapter, uses an image that we all understand. It's the image of the body. You see, what is standing in front of you is Archie. Archie is both a unified body and made up of different parts. So if you were to go down and see me at Coles and from a distance you'd say, Hello, Archie. You don't say, Hello, Archie's hands. Hello, Archie's nose. Hello, Archie's toes. You say, hello, Archie, because I am Archie. And the things that make you know it's me are those different parts. That is my height, my hair, the shape of my nose, the way that I walk. So I am Archie. But we're also made up of different parts because I have hands, I have feet, I have eyes, I have a nose. And if any part of that was missing, I would be different. And so bodies, your body, my body, is an illustration of both unity and differentness. And that's what the Apostle Paul says our church is like. You see, Wild Street is a body. We are one. We are Wild Street. But we are also individuals who make up Wild Street. And every one of the individuals that makes up Wild Street is unique and has been given different gifts by the Spirit. And so just as every part of me works for the good of Archie, so it is in the church. Every individual has been given gifts to work for the good of the body. Our gifts are given by the one spirit so that we might mesh together well and become an even better body. But there are problems as parts of the body of church work together side by side and it's summed up by the apostle here in two paragraphs with two statements that different people could make. The first one you see in verse 15 is the person who says I don't belong to the body and the second one is in verse 21 the person who says I have no need of you. So let's look quickly at each of them. Firstly The words, the first ones, I don't belong to the body, are the words of the outsider or the one who thinks that they've got nothing to contribute, that this church has so many talented people that it doesn't matter whether I'm here or not, I'm not needed. The one who silently says, I don't belong to the body. Listen then from verse 14. The body doesn't consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand so I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where'd be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. That is, we have to be very careful of comparing the gifts that I have been given with the gifts that others have been given and saying mine aren't as great as the other gifts so I don't need to use my gifts in the service of other people and so you pull further and further back and say I am not needed. If you are tempted, if you have ever thought, if you have even said these things Hear the rebuke from the Apostle Paul to you. God has given you your gift and he has given you your gift just as he sees fit. And everyone and every gift is needed. Don't argue and question God about why he only gave you the gifts he gave you. If you withdraw, the whole body is less than it should be. We are one body and everyone is necessary. That's the first danger. The second problem is that of the insider, the one who's been around for ages, the one who thinks, look at how much I have got to uh, contribute, or this small group of us, look how we do everything in the church. We make everything happen. This is why the church works. We are so sure of our gifts that we look on others and say, I don't need you. Everybody else, well, they can come, but they are just hanger-oners. Their gifts don't matter. They are not needed. If you have ever thought that, even in some form or another, listen to what the Apostle says to you from verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, All rejoice together. You too, if this is you, need to hear the rebuke. God has taken the things that seem so insignificant and even people that we might be ashamed of and has made them indispensable. We are all in this together. Every single person and every one of their gifts is important. The Jesus Club member, who many of us don't notice and sometimes make noises and inappropriate comments that some of you might think, I'm a little bit embarrassed by that, but who sit and pray tirelessly. That is why so many others of you can flourish, because the Lord is honouring their prayer or the man in our own church who week after our week of school holiday club, without having been asked, comes in and cleans up and resets the church so that everything can be good to go on Sunday, not noticed but necessary. The team whose names we don't even know, who a few weeks ago had blackened faces and were covered in dust from crawling under the church so that the church could be turned around so that we could meet together. You'd look at gifts indispensable to our church life. And so, why did God make the body this way? Why does the Spirit give such different gifts? Well, we've already seen it. Church is a complex organism, and every different part is needed for the organism to work. It's not an accident that you are part of this body. Look around you, every one of you has been brought together here by God and been gifted by the Spirit of God. God has gathered us together by his Spirit and he's blessed you by equipping you with at least least one gift that you might be a blessing to the body. Don't think the church, our church, is an unimportant thing. It is a body that God has made and has knit together with all its unique parts and it's a church for which the Son of God died, and you are, a necess- uh, you are a necessary part of it. The lockdown that we experienced this year has made being part of the body more complicated. And so we had to, and did achieve in many ways, imaginative ways to invent new ways of being the body. But what an honour to belong to each other and to use what God has made us to serve the rest of the body. That we might build each other up, that we might be the strongest and best body that we can be. And we also have the privilege of being used by him to move the tens of thousand people in our suburb and the suburbs round about us to move from mute idols to serve the living and true God. Try as you might, you can't do that by your individual abilities. But God has given us each other so that people of every every language, every race and every tongue can come to serve him as Lord. And he gives us the privilege as the body to work with him as he does this. So, we need to explore how, as the body, we can use the gifts that God has given us together to save the souls of people who are under the judgment of God. I've come a long way in this chapter, but what a blessing it is to be a Christian. No longer led astray by mute idols. Each one of us has at least one gift given by the Spirit to be used for the common good. And as God gives us those gifts, he knits us together into a body so that we may not have pride and arrogance and superiority, but rather that there will be no division, that we will care for each other as fellow members of the body, that we might together suffer, that we might together rejoice. This is unlike anything else that exists in our world. I can't wait to see what this body does next and I can't wait to be part of what under God this body achieves next. What a blessing it is to be a Christian. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given to each one of us at least one gift that our gathering and our making into the body is not accidental. And we ask you that you would be at work in us to help us to think well how to use the gifts that you have given us, that we might serve each other, that we might see you and under your hand see many saved. Amen.